And we're back for episode 19 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And once again, the six of us are all back. So I think it's the first time on our podcast history that we've had two podcasts in a row when all of us have been together, which is brilliant. So it's yeah. nice to see everyone back. How's everyone been? Yeah, been good, man. Just been having some uh, contract issues. That's why I've been missing for a while. But, you know, obviously back now. It's one of those things, isn't it? We've got agents and lawyers dealing with you at the moment. So it's a yeah, tricky know, process man. going it's, forward. It's, it is what it is, man. Tough cookie to crack. Nah, it's all good. It's been a good weekend of football as well. We were, we were watching the Premier League and it was one of the fu- most fun weekends as a neutral. It wasn't Besides as good the, as I hoped. It wasn't as good with Man United, but watching other teams like uh, Aston Villa versus Leeds and Arsenal doing really well as well, I thought that was quite fun to see, personally. Arsenal was a big shock, man. Pepe doing well. well. It was a good result for Man United. It was a good result for the top four, but, you know, I I would have liked to see uh, Arsenal lose again. Wouldn't be funny, but it's a positive from me. It's always funny when Arsenal lose. Yeah, I know. It is what it is. And then Gareth Bale's coming back with his resurgent. Two yeah, two, two, yeah. two goals and assist. Two goals and assist, he, that was the one. He looks good now, man. He looks proper on it. Oh, we, 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 we knew he was a world-class footballer. I feel like he just had to get a few run of game. People say he's getting too old, but that that world-class ability that he's got, it's not just going to go just like that, just because he's not been playing for quite a few months. It's, that left foot's always still going to be there. I'm still showing that. That pass to Kane is just an absolute one, absolute yeah. whippage. That was a great pass to see. I always say world-class players do world-class things, man. You've said that two episodes in a row, so our, yeah. our listeners aren't going to forget that anytime soon. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. World-class it's... players. That's the difference between uh, a top side in the Premier League and a mid-table side like, you know, Aston Villa. Do you know what I mean? The top sides have world-class footballers and they just produce those moments. Um, that's what separates you from being eighth in the league to being, you know, second or first. It's just it is what it is. It is what it is, isn't it? Vish is Vish is smiling right there, out out of yeah. space. But no, <laughs> it, it, it it is it's one of those things that I've said previously. We're watching games, two or three different games before we come on to our next podcast. So we can never always recap what we're watching properly as well. Like we watched the Real Sociedad game, uh the other Champions League games as well. And it will just you all just forget it by the time you record your next episode, which is again really fun. And it shows that we've been spoiled for choice in football. But for me, too many games. But for me, the one constant or one of the constants I've seen this season is the emergence, not really the emergence, but the emergence of new uh, contenders in Italy for the Serie A. So I'm, again, you all know that I'm quite fascinated with the Serie A this season. And we've got Inter Milan coming through and AC Milan coming through as well. And Inter Milan won like 3-1 yesterday and Lukaku scored. And you're just there like, this is one of the great partnerships of our era at the time coming through. Lukaku and Martinez was actually doing bits for... Um, into Milan currently so I'm just wondering let's get, let's get straight into it shall we are they the best strike partnership in world football at the moment go on Rahil what do you think um, I think it's tough to call because I, I think in this, it, probably this season I'd say so yeah everyone pretty much has been having a bit of an off season if you look at the top duos obviously someone like <clears throat> Aguero for City hasn't really played much um, you've got Haaland obviously doing good at um, Dortmund, but you wouldn't really say there's a duo with him or there's someone with him um, that he's playing off. I think the Sancho is there, but yeah, I think Haaland is p- pretty much the main man there. Um, you can you can talk about Neymar and Mbappe as well, but I think with the injuries and both of them coming in and out of the team, it's, it's they were to shout. But in terms of goal scoring, I probably would say so. Um, I think another another shout you got to give to, and not obviously just saying because I support them, but being honest. It's probably going to be Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford because 
without their goal contributions together. I think they're in the top five if you combine them. Yeah. The top five duos in uh, world football right now. So uh, I think if you take, done you, a take little bit of you take their contributions out, and I don't think uh, you know it should be anywhere near even the top off of the table. And it goes to show how much uh, big teams learn a, a good striking partnership. What um, formation do you uh, Inter Milan line, uh, line up with? So they play three-five-two. So they have three centre backs, and they've got their three centre mids in there too. Sometimes they're wing backs, or sometimes they're wingers like Perisic and. Uh, Ashley Young on the wing. So I think on the weekend they had Darmian, Darmian playing on the on the right and um, not Young, it was someone else on do, the wing. Do you, not, do you not feel like the way Inter Milan line up, it helps uh, Martinez and Lukaku? I 100% agree with that, personally. Because oh. when we've seen that previously with, let's say, um, let's say, for example, Man United, when we saw that with like Van Persie and Rooney up front with Van Persie, Falcao, Rooney, uh, mm-hmm. Di Maria at the time when we were under Van Gaal, we weren't playing the best of football, but it allows them to literally just be free at the top of the pitch. Tactically, it's, it's really good from uh, Conte. Obviously not that good because they got knocked out of the Champions League, but now they're just focusing fully on the league and in Italy at the moment as well. So Lukaku doesn't have to worry about um, the supply because he's got Eriksson, who's again come back into form, which is really good for me to see as well. Like he was down in the dumps a year ago, six months ago, and you've got Barella coming through the Inter Milan team and is kind of becoming a top talent as well. But Lukaku and, and Martinez are just the combination that just click. And they've done it for what, two seasons now. And I find that really good to see for world football. And it's quite fascinating because we don't see many teams nowadays that do, you know, 4-4-2 formations in the Premier League. Yeah, it's, four, three, it's a 4-3-3. Three, three. It's not more or less the lone striker. The, the only main one I can think of is Southampton, like uh, Che Adams and Danny Ings together as well. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it currently at the moment. But it's, it's very fascinating to see how Inter Milan are doing and how Conte's got this team set up as well. I was just going to say, one partnership we haven't mentioned is uh, Kane and Son. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing pretty well. Um, I think Kane's like scored 14 goals, Son scored 13, and their assist and the way they, you know, communicate with each other on when they're on the ball, it's just something else, man. It's just uh, crazy. They know where each other's going to be, right? Yeah. It's something that Mourinho's works with them clearly as well. Like Kane dropping back a lot more this season, which is good. Son running in behind. And um, it's something that the Premiership and neutral fans are just benefiting from, really. They're just benefiting from it because it's so fun to see as well. With, I mean, I mean, if you take them two out of the Spurs team, where would Spurs be in the table? They'll be yeah. bottom that's off. What, <laughs> that's, that's what Roy Keane was uh, talking about yesterday on Sky Sports as well and arguing with Jamie Redknapp yeah them two were actually didn't they that was funny too yeah. man. <laughs> that, was, that was ridiculous man he wouldn't ask... do that if he was in the studio Redknapp would never do that if he was in the studio be oh, quiet he, he was happy he was in feeling, London he was feeling brave in it yeah mm. waste man trust me uh, but no Saf I just wanted to ask you as well because you've got Thomas Tuchel as your new manager and we had a preview last week for Chelsea versus... apparently he's going to win the league as well by the way That's, I heard that it could happen you never know he's, he's done alright for Dortmund and PSG but Saf I just wanted to ask you do you reckon a Werner-Giroud combination could be something beneficial with Mount just behind them or would you say Werner still has to play off the striker um, to kind of get the most out of him at the moment what would you say what do you think yeah, it would be, I think it would be all right, but it wouldn't be like, you know, how you have 100% chemistry. I, I don't think it would be one of those things. Werner, Werner's a bit, I don't know, I don't know with Werner, he's a bit wayward. Sometimes he'll run one way, expecting the ball the other way. Like, you don't know what he's going to do. But with Giroud, you know that if you put the ball in the box, 
he's going to head it in or he can do some spectacular, I don't know, over the head kick or whatever. But at some point he will he will deliver. But um, I don't I don't think I don't think them two would be good together to be honest. Yeah, Werner's uh, just about hitting a barn door at the moment. Just about. I, I, pers- I personally don't think I don't I don't think that that'll, that'll be good because don't forget um, running off is running off is fine because obviously Giroud's got nowhere near enough pace as uh, Werner because Werner's like one of the most quickest. But in terms of like understanding in the game um, and the way Giroud plays his game, uh, I don't think it could work. Yeah, because yesterday when we, when we were watching the game, I thought Ziyech was just ineffective yesterday against Man United. He barely did anything. He barely got a kick in the game. And again, that was just, a, I was thinking, what if Werner was just there kind of exploiting Man United centre-backs like Maguire and Lindelof, who aren't the quickest that we have at the, at the club. So I was just thinking, you know what, that could have been something different that uh, Tuchel could have done for Chelsea. But that's, that was just my thinking, re- realistically. Yeah, first, first off, Ziyech was quiet, very quiet. Like, he was lost as well. Headless mm-hmm. chicken. But then second half, I don't know what happened, but he come back and he was playing the game a bit more, he was getting a bit more control on the ball, touching it a bit more here and there and like, you know, picking out certain passes to try and create something. But then again, he's not he's still not done much. Like he just looks like a Shisha Mares to me. No, let's put it out there, he's not gonna be a Mares. I mean Mares is Mares is consistently delivering. No, oh, he said a yeah. she. He said a she. Some hours, bro. Oh man, go on, Salah. Talk to us about the Watkins and Grealish partnership that you're missing currently at the moment with Grealish out. That's been somewhat yeah. of a renovation, I would say. Again, it's not a, a strike mid- partnership. It's a, it's a decent mid-table partnership. That just say it's not mid-table. I mean, it's probably one of the best partnerships in the league this season. You know, after Kane and Son and stuff. I mean, it's, it's definitely up there. Oh, and it's stuff. <laughs> this what? guy is killing it. <laughs> no, it's all right. Continue, continue. No, it's a good partnership. It's definitely up there with like Kane and Son and these guys. Um, if you think about where Watkins come from, just you know, from a championship team, and he's you know proven his prem quality. One of the best strikers in the prem this season. You know, probably top three, top four. I'd in terms of what? In, though, in terms of what? <laughs> in terms of like, done? in terms of like goal scoring, work rate, awareness. He Wait, I'm just the talking the stats here. Where's your ranking in goals? Check the stats. He sets the tone for us in terms of pressing and Vish, stuff like Vish, that. Where, how many, where, t- tell me where he's in the goal scoring stats, please. I'm checking, I'm checking. Okay. I'm, I'm having to scroll down quite a bit. I can't find him. <laughs> Mate, he's 63. Oh, my Ollie God. Watt. Ollie Watt. No, he's not. He's not 63. He is, man. He is, man. He's in the league? Is goals? he 63rd in the league? Yeah, as in... Players score goals even. Oh, no, that can't be right. Who's around? Yeah, yeah, that, can't, that can't be right. That can't it be. Right. He can't be sixty-three in the list. He is man. Nah, I'm some, on the app. He's, 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 he's ninth, ninth on the list. He's ninth. He's ninth. ninth. Come on, Vish Capin. Vish Capin. What was that about? When you when you're talking one when you're saying one of the best strikers in the league and he's ninth scoring. I mean, that's a bit. That's a bit. Yeah, but just the goal scoring part. He's a so striker. You, you, said, you said one of the best strikers in the league. He's yeah, striker. Your main priority is to score goals. Um, yeah, but according, amongst that, he well, according to this, Bruno Fernandez is one of the best strikers in the league. How many were penalties? <laughs> Look, you got as long as you put in the back of the net. Nothing else matters. Isn't it? That's that's what that's what forwards should do. Put it in the back of the net. No, no, not even a forward. 
Nah, nah just again, every, everyone, everyone thinks soon as soon as Bruno gets a penalty, he should fuck this. I don't want to score a penalty. I should just put it into Rose instead. <laughs> Everyone's gonna criticize me for scoring a penalty. Full of no, shit, but if he was if off. he was a proper sportsman and wasn't a cheat, half the penalties he got, he you know respectfully just passed it back to the keeper. All right, so then, so then, so then that means nobody in history has done that. When they've got a wrongful penalty, so that means there's no decent I think sportsman at the to did. class. No, to class yourself as a decent sportsman, you have to. If if you think it's not a penalty, you have to pass it back. That's Decanio what you're saying. So basically, so Decanio's the only real sportsman ever, guys. This is exclusive from Sally. Polo Decanio's the only. Polo Decanio's the only real football sportsman ever. There was that time where Miroslav Klose uh, admitted to diving or saying it wasn't a penalty, and he was like, "No, nah, I don't want it." He just gave the ball back to them. So it was like a free kick the other way as well. So we could see we, we're not going to see more of that in the Premier League when people admit to diving or cheating the ref. And we're not going to talk about Callum Hunter the Doy's penalty yesterday. That we'll just get into a frenzy all evening. So we'll, we'll keep it light high going forward. But yeah, going back to the stats as we were looking at Ollie Watkins, let's talk about. Yeah, I just want to say yeah, my stats are wrong actually. I was looking at assists and he was at number sixty-three. <laughs> but in terms of goal scoring, he is number nine. Yeah, so as I was as I was saying, it's not just the goals for us. As in, he brings so much more to us than just goals, especially like pressing, and you know, being like the focal point of our unit, sort of getting in behind. He's been quite unlucky. He should have, you know, I think probably ten more goals, considering his xG. But that's just how it's been for him. First season in the Prem, and he's done well. He yeah, should get to well. twenty. He's done all right. Yeah, he's done no, well for someone that's come from the championship. Well. You have to give him that. He's done, he's done extremely well. You know, he sets the tone for us from the top. And um, yeah, he should get to 20 goals. And I would say extremely well is Patrick Bamford. He's fourth. Yeah, after but coming Bamford from the doesn't really do season. anything else. Like, he doesn't run in behind. He doesn't, well, like, he's, a, he's a striker. He needs to score goals and he's doing his job. That's yeah, his but, main what, job. But Watkins does more than that. Yeah, but I'd rather have my striker score a lot more goals. That's his main job. That's what you pay right, him to do. And, score, and score. Okay, but we're, score we're goals. Above lead, so. Yeah, yeah, the thing right. is, the thing is, Bamford promoted last Bam- season. Bamford's got five assists and Watkins has got three. So, on Ooh. that basis, I think Ooh. Bamford does more. Then Bamford's more goals more and assists. Which are the? How many more games? I think it's one more. Two. One more. There's still one more game. <laughs> There's still one more game, isn't it? Let's 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 move on from the Watkins let's versus Bamford we beat Leeds, because we beat Leeds anyway. But yeah, the but that that was that. Uh, but yeah, talking about proper strike partnerships at the moment. Romelu Lukaku's got what twenty four goals this season, six assists. Lautaro Martinez got fifteen goals this season and five assists. <clears throat> and it's just again something that AC Milan and Inter Milan are like four points difference. Let's check the table quickly. They're like four or five points difference on the on the Serie A at the moment. So things are hotting up. Ronaldo's still scoring as you'll like to hear, Arif and Rahil, for Juventus at the moment. I think they drew on the weekend at the time. Well, goats do what goats do, man. It is what it is. What was the saying you said earlier? It's basically, Ronaldo, carrying, last... ten. Ronaldo yeah. carrying 10 donkeys, that's what it is. The ball is on the bench still, probably, as well. To make a point on Lukaku that, you know, I'm happy for him that, you know, he's moved to a bigger club and he's doing well. <laughs> we, we got that out there. That was always going to happen with, with Salim. But yeah, that's all well and good. Bigger um, club, apparently. Okay. Bigger club. Yeah, normally we do a five side sort of talk because we're on the topic of uh, discussing deadly duos and obviously two uh, strikers in a team of talk. Um, if you could obviously pick pick your own uh, front two that you'd want in your team, one player has to be currently playing and one has to be a retired player. Who would you pick? 
I think I'll go first and I'll, I'll kind of pick a very obvious one. I've got a couple of honorable mentions, but for me, mine will be Thierry Henry and Robert Lewandowski. Prime reason because Lewandowski is a gunman at the moment, is just scoring goals left, right, and center. And he's been doing it, what, how many years for Bayern Munich at the moment and, and Borussia Dortmund? And Thierry Henry for me is probably one of the best strikers uh, English football and world football has ever seen. And the fact that he kind of, it kind of changed the way football was seen in England. You know how when we were growing up, we'd see just two strikers up front all the time, but Thierry Henry would always be able to like drop deep or go to the left and he'd actually change the way strikers were looked at because at the time, strikers weren't really known for their pace. You always put them on the wings all the time, like the pacey players that you had at the time. And kind of him coming through with Arsenal and taking on the defence and big tall centre-backs that there were at the time. I think that would be a deadly duo, personally. Thierry Henry and Robert Lewandowski. An honourable mention I've got is probably Del Piero and Romelu Lukaku, I would say. I think Del Piero, again, being a Trek Batista and a false nine, playing behind Lukaku, just passing the ball through all the time. I think that would be quite quite fun to see, personally. But yeah, I'm going for Henry and Lewandowski. I'm going to have to go with Ronaldo and Ronaldo. Um, so obviously the Brazilian Ronaldo, I think the best and the most talented of his generation in terms of forwards, in my opinion. Uh, the things that he could do with the ball, with his size and his build were just incredible. He, he had no business doing what he could do with a football. Um, so he's putting him in and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, who's the best of this generation, um, the greatest of all time. I don't really need to say much on Ronaldo. Enough has been said. So for me, it's <laughs> Ronaldo and Ronaldo, the best of their generations. Yeah, that's, that's mine. Ronaldo squared, basically. Yeah. Easy said and done. I can see a few puzzled faces. I don't mind going next. So my two would probably be... Um, I had a few options, but in the end I settled for Rooney and Ronaldo. It's just probably my... They really enjoyed watching them together. That's a pretty good one, to be fair. Yeah, I think that they'd just be deadly in any era. Yeah, Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen them together anyway, which is brilliant as well, but... You beat the loophole there. One's retired, one's still playing as well. Like really yeah, retired. Yeah, like two, no, literally just retired. Like two months ago or something. So nicely yeah, done there, just, Sally. Yeah, I'll go next. I'll go Come with um, Brazilian Ronaldo mm. and Portuguese Ronaldo. Um, similar to what Irish said. You exactly know, the uh, same. Exactly. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally um, Brazilian Ronaldo, he used to score goals for fun, man. Like Some of the goals that he scored, like you just see the highlights and it just... This looks amazing. Um, how easy he is to make the game, and he um, and he never used to take care of himself. Like it yeah. did not look like he used to take care of himself, and and what what he used to do with a football is just madness. Easily, probably the in my opinion, the most talented of the generation. And you have to remember as well, he was one of the only few players who scored a hat trick at Old Trafford in the Champions League, and he oh, off with game. a standing, oh, or, or standing ovation from our fans as well. Yeah, that really, that really, I don't think that's ever happened before. Like you can think it's, of Cristiano Ronaldo getting applauded at Juventus. Like oh yeah, but, last yeah, week, but, but, but not that, nothing like he, that. Yeah, like yeah, that's because he was a he was Ronaldo was obviously he, he spent many years for it. He he's still a legend at Manchester United, but the Brazilian Ronaldo obviously he's never he's never played for Man United to get a standing ovation after getting absolutely destroyed is uh, pretty pretty mad. The Portuguese Ronaldo. I guess I don't need to say much about that. Um, I'm pretty sure anyone who listens to our podcast just knows <laughs> everything about Ronaldo by now, which is brilliant. We used to do like a mini series on Ronaldo as well. It'd be really fun to listen to. Uh, yeah. But no, but two Ronaldo and Ronaldos. Stuff still I'm thinking. Gonna, 
Now I'm gonna go with the um, one is gonna be Thierry Henry. The other one is gonna be does he matter about current form? No. No, I just this is your dream duo all time. One has to be currently playing, one's has to be retired. Yeah, one's gonna be Thierry Henry, the other one's gonna be Luis Suarez. That's a shout, actually. Two One of the best strikers of all time. Two tenacious strikers, two amazing finishers, both set piece specialists as well. Sorry, I just took the that's words out of your mouth. Stuff, but I yeah. think two two that work um, hard off the ball as well as on the ball. They're two, they're two kind of leaders as well, if you, you could say. Even if they don't have the armband, they're two leaders on the pitch as well, which is brilliant. One does like to bite here and there, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, protect your shoulders. Yeah, protect your shoulders. You need them, uh, you know them, uh, uh, American football style shoulder things, shoulder pads. Shoulder pads. You need yeah. to wear them when you play. With Luis Suarez, the reason why I chose Luis Suarez is because I've always liked him. Even in his Liverpool days, he made Daniel Sturridge look like a world-class striker. <laughs> He definitely did. <laughs> Got Sturridge in the World Cup squad that year as well. Yeah, he was good, but he wasn't like what he what you know what people ought to be. But yo, he made Sturridge look like he was like top tier player. But that was because of Suarez just passing the ball through to him. Yeah, Suarez and Thierry Henry, clinical finishes. Deadly duo, literally right there in the title. <clears throat> Go on, Rahil, finish it off. What have you got for us? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, which uh, probably expected. Greatest of all time. And I'm going to go with George Best as well. Um, I think two, two Ballon d'Or winners, two of the players that were the iconic number seven share at the biggest club in the world. And I think two, two, a duo where two generations come together. Because um, for me, obviously, George Best, I didn't see any of him, obviously, um, in him obviously in live or anything like that but I think with me it's like my, the elder generation of my family like my uncles and all of them they always said you think Ronaldo's good and you think this guy's good but you never watched George Best play mm. and they said that the, you look at the surfaces he played on and obviously the way the way defenders were built and the way they used to attack their people and attack the strikers he goes if you look at the way the guy used to move on the ball he goes if Chris they, they used to they say to me regularly because if Christian Ronaldo and other players like that were in that era they wouldn't last. And obviously, <clears throat> I wouldn't be able to tell, but I think that's the, that's a duo I'd love to see because both of them have done it at the top of their game. Both of them have obviously represented countries as well who probably not been favourites in any big tournaments, especially George Best played for someone like Northern Ireland. But I think for their club, they gave everything. Um, They won the lot, both Ballon d'Or winners as well. And I think just seeing them two play, I think tall men, <clears throat> they just got something about them. It's like an aura about them. Everything's about them, and I think seeing them to play together, they can head the ball, they can move with the ball, dribble, they can do the lot, and that's why I'd love to see them to play. But obviously, we won't end up getting that. Um, but that would have been something I would have loved to see. And that's just something that, looking back, like, you know how we have these past and present conversations in other sports as well. That would have been something just magnificent to do as well, just to see how George Best and Cristiano Ronaldo did. And I think you can do that on like Ultimate Team now, anyway, like yeah. playing with past legends and people like that as well. Go on ahead. the back, on the back of that, I've got, I've got a question. But before I say this question, mm. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read out a quick list. Yeah. Okay. So this is a list of players, and then I'm gonna ask you a question. Batistuta, Raúl, Klinsman, Shevchenko, Shiera, Van Basten, George Weir, Baggio, Romario, Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, Henri, Del Piero, Clivert. My question is, were the forwards or attackers in the 90s better than they are now or are the ones now 
better than the ones from the 90s? That's a sick question. I think that's something that... I think about it quite a lot, you know. I, I, I was I thinking about it as well. Like when you look at when players back in the day, they were, like we said before, they're in <laughs> partnerships, isn't it? They had uh, a strike partner who do like the dirty work and they'd be able to score the goals. And it was only when you kind of saw like in this day and age, you see a lot of strikers just playing bad themselves, isn't it? Lewandowski's a lone striker. Um, that's a good question though. I would say probably the, the players in the 90s personally, football was rougher back then. There was a lot more, um, physical contacts at the time. I think there's but a even lot more... Lazio, Lazio during the 90s was a mad team. Ajax in the 90s as well were, yeah. were a mad team as well. Uh, Patrick Kluivert on the list was for that reason as well. Battistutes mm. with Fiorentina looking at uh, Romario for the Brazilian teams. Again, See these, these names it's like well, these are world like unbelievable players. Yeah, obviously, yeah, like I, Cristiano I, Ronaldo. I agree with that. <clears throat> I agree with that but I think you have to you have to look at it from all angles because I think I think with this debate, you'll ever, never, ever be able to come to a straight answer. Like, I myself, I'm 50-50 down the middle. But I just think, if you look at the numbers the strikers are doing in this day and age, they never yeah. used to do it then. But yeah, that could also be... That one. could also be... But that could also be because they were better defenders then than what they are now. That's another That's way to look at it. But do we think, really, the football, the standard of football has dropped? Or has no. the game become... Or has the game become more entertaining? And are players starting to score more goals? And I think I think that's where it, um, it gets a bit confusing because we do hear all these big names and you see you see you've seen the Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, all the big names you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But then obviously you look at the Ronaldo, the Messi, um, Mbappe, Neymar, you look even look at Ribri Robin when they were in a shout ballon d'Or. you look at all the top strikers of our time, our generation. And I think it's pretty close to call because you have to take in a lot of things into consideration. But for me, I wouldn't be able to put my hand on one. I'll have to be straight down the middle. What I would say for me is that I think I think they had the players before had more talent. When I say talent is the, the things they could do with the football, things they could do with the football. I think there were players there there were quite a lot more players that could do much more with the football than there are now. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think I think it's another reason is because now look, the technology is more advanced now. Now you're watching games from like six different angles. So a manager will sit you down and he'll show you, uh, you know, the game from so many different angles. Say, this is where you need to improve. This is what you need to do. This is where we want to see the improvement. Back then, obviously, the technology wasn't like that. So I think it was more, like I said, raw talent. It's just pure raw talent and understanding of the game. Um, yeah. And Well, there's even sports science as well. Though. Sports science makes a massive difference. It adds probably five, six, seven years onto your career. Exactly. Um, imagine, imagine if the Brazilian Ronaldo had like legitimate sports science like now back then. Right. Well, yeah. So like muscle, muscle, muscle recovery, muscle recovery, mm. and things like that. Like players nowadays, they've got the latest, latest top of the range technology. Everything. You know, that, that recovers their muscles a lot down yeah, to the muscle, down to the inch of muscle fiber, and even little that, things yeah, as well. Like then see, um, see if if we sorry to drop, but if we're thinking okay. of it that way, then that's like us saying okay the generation of players 20 years before that, are we going to class them as better? Because <clears throat> the generation we're talking about now probably had better technology or better chances than the previous generation to them. No, it's again, it's like bringing in like opposition scouting as well into it as well. Like you get to watch your, um, like even with the technology thing that's separate, you get to watch your oppositions on TV every game without even have to go into like your opposition scouts office to again, analyze what their defenders are doing. Like, Man United playing Man City this weekend and you can be damn sure that Pep Guardiola's got his 
defenders looking at how Rashford and, Fer- and Fernandez are moving at the moment, Greenwood's moving at the moment. I think that's I think that's something to add as well. But something I'd like to say as well is the, the way the striker position has changed over the years. You know how our first name was Friday Night Trequatistas and I was at Trequatistas is a withdrawn forward, is a false number nine. Someone like beloved, uh, Aris beloved Francesco Totti, Alessandro Del Piero, <laughs> Lionel Messi from there as Legend. well. No, it, it's true. They, they were withdrawn forwards. They weren't up against the shoulder of the defender all the time. They play five, ten <laughs> yards back and they revolutionised the role. You've had target men that you've seen there. You've got goal poachers like uh, Hernandez. You've got clinical number nines like Ruud van Nistelrooy. You've got so many different types of strikers. And even like in this day and age, what would you class Harry Kane as a striker? He's not a poacher. He's not a classic target man. There's a bit of everything at the moment. So you can kind of do, he's got a lot in his locker, basically. Yeah, I'd say football changed a lot. Like, you know, when Raheel was saying, like, he doesn't know sort of the players before were better, or the players today were better. But even like defensively, like, you could say defenders are a lot better as well now in terms of like teams playing in like defensive shapes and, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, the game is more, I don't know, I'd, I'd probably, not that I've seen, obviously we can't really talk about football before we started watching it because I don't really know much but I'd, I'd probably say the game has moved on a lot I'd say it's more tactical I'd say that that's definitely a case you know even like if you go into details like set pieces and stuff like zonal marking probably didn't even exist before just as an example but yeah that's a, that's a lot to go on as well and it's just a debate like Raheel said it's going to go until the end of time and you'll never be able to settle it but yeah, one thing I probably want to want sorry to interrupt again, but one thing sorry. I probably want to touch upon on what uh, Salim said obviously regarding defenders. I think the game has evolved. And I think the reason why you've got so many different strikers now is because the defenders are starting to play different. I think before um you'd obviously see just a standard formation with every team of four four two and your back four would basically stay as your back four. Your full backs might occasionally go up, but they wouldn't. But I think in this day and age now, you look at all the top teams and the ones that are conquering world football. You've got two ball-playing centre-backs who will move forward with the ball and who will get the rest of the team forward. And that's what's making the attack of the opposition having to graft and come back. So obviously, their strikers strikers in the past wouldn't have to come running back to help their team out. They're now having to do that. It's like now if you take a right winger or a left winger as a pair, for example, the only, the only reason why you really have to backtrack and help your team out is if the left-back or the right-back have gone. If your left-back and your right-back haven't gone, your manager's not going to be on your case for you to get back. But as soon as you're left back and right back on and you haven't followed them, that's an extra man on the, opposite, on, the, on the other side of the pitch for the opposition to score. And I think that's where the game's changed quite a bit. And yeah. hence, why, hence, hence why we're starting to see different, different strikers. I think you look, at, you look at prime examples of players like Carlos Tevez in his prime, Luis Suarez, players like that, they, they're pretty much proper workhorses. Like they, they get you the goals and they got the technique, but they're off the ball work and off the ball movement. You look at Cavani now for Manchester United. Mm. The reason why we look at complete different side with Cavani in there is because the amount of work he does off the ball. He's the oldest guy that we've got as a forward option, and yet he's putting the rest of them to shame. You don't see Marshall or Rashford do the work Edinson Cavani does, and a lot of it, it does come down to experience as well. I guess playing obviously at a top level for a certain amount of time. And goes into the mentality state as well. But even with the uh, strikers, sorry, you saw about strikers were here. Um, it co- I did a conversation with one of my friends about Henri and Van Nistro and how Henri carried on his career after the Premier League at Barcelona and uh, Van Nistro kind of faltered at Real Madrid and went down to Malaga and stuff. That was because Henri had adapted his game to become more than just a normal striker, a normal goal scorer. Van Nistro didn't. He was always that fox in the box, number nine type striker. And 
I think that's one of those things that you were just saying there. The game evolves so much and with players like, uh, let's say, for example, Cavani or Haaland or like clinical goal scorers that we've seen over the years, they've always adapted their games. They've always uh, strived for greatness. And that's something that Arif can kind of agree with when looking at players like Ronaldo as well, going from a winger to a centre forward who's, again, trying to just score goals, finish goals off every now and then. And there's the beauty in football, really, of just being able to adapt your game every five, ten years as well. Sergio Aguero, uh, Salim, is a prime example. Under Pellegrini and under Mancini, he was really good as like a normal striker, number nine, going through on the last man. He adapted properly to Pep Guardiola's uh, tactics and his techniques in that first season. And then in the second season, third season, Centurion's team as well is brilliant. Again, not brilliant for us yeah. Man United fans, but you can see the change in his game, which is brilliant to see. Sorry. Yeah, definitely one of the best strikers to play in the Prem. We're really lucky to to have had him. He's all right. And just just to leave the striker conversation, um, let's let's go let's go back to where we were on Lukaku and Martinez. Who do we think is going to win the Serie A? I think AC Milan can still win the Serie A, but I don't mind who wins either way. I'll be honest with you. I think Juventus is still in a really shy. I think it's it's pretty much a, a close, and I think it's it's anyone to take. But I think. The, the main um, worry for, I think, for all teams in the CVR that we've seen over the past few seasons is consistency. None of them have shown it. All right, I know Juventus have won like eight or nine runs. They're probably the ones who you can separate from the rest. But I think you look at teams like AC Milan, Roma, and Juvent- and uh, sorry, Inter Milan, and I think they, it's, it's been a case of one season they finish towards the top and they're challenging. They're putting a bit of pressure on Juventus. So one season they're not. So I, I still wouldn't write Juventus. Obviously, I, I do. I know I do say Ronaldo carries 11, uh, ten donkeys, but they do have quality players, and I think I, I do say that out of frustration because you see the quality of the likes of Dybala and obviously Ronaldo and the players around them and how good they can get and play. You look at Aaron Ramsey as well. He was a quality player. He hit the ground running as well when he started off in Syria, but it just seems that none of their players have got consistency as well. And I think that's why this is probably going to be the probably most entertaining title race in the whole of Europe. Because I, I do really think it'll go down to the wire, which Definitely. is obviously good from a neutral point of view watching. But um, I think Inter Milan, AC Milan, Juventus, I think they're all in there with the shouts too. And I think it'd be very close. If I had to pick one, I'm obviously going to back my boy Ronaldo. That's just how it is. If anyone can get his team out, if anyone can get his team out of a situation, I think it's going to be him. Um, but yeah, you can't obviously write Inter Milan, you can't write AC Milan. But I do. I, I would say the favourites for me are, are Inter Milan. And if you look at all three squads, player by player, you'd probably say Inter Milan have got the best squad. Um, if you look at it from top to bottom, they are favourites. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm backing Ronaldo to get his team out of this one. And ever since they got knocked out of Europe, they've just been on fire, like, like we said before. Yeah. They don't have that European distraction. And Man United are playing East Milan in the Europa League coming up as well, which is going to be a big distraction for them. I don't, I don't want Inter Milan to win it. Uh, I wouldn't mind. Well, I'd want Juventus to win it. Uh, Why not? I, I, prefer, I prefer AC Milan over Inter Milan, uh, especially... I just, I just prefer. I've always preferred AC Milan over Inter Milan. I'd want Juventus to win it, um, but who I think is going to win it, I think is going to be Inter Milan. I think Inter Milan will win it. Inter Milan. Oh, yeah, look, there are four yeah. points top at the moment as well. So, what? yeah, I just think you know Lukaku and will sort of carry him to it. Well, not carry him to it, but he'll get the goals he needs. Mm. No, that makes sense. How many, how many games left? They've got what fourteen games left. 14. About twenty-four games in. Yeah, twenty-four games in. Four. 14 games. Yeah. And there's a four-point difference at the top. Still wide open. Yes, very wide open. Uh, and Juve is what? Third or fourth? Fourth. Third with a game yeah, in hand. Yeah, I, the thing is, I got a feeling Juve are just going to grip it right at the end. 
But it's also if, if I have to choose one, if I have to choose one, I think I think um, Inter Milan will do it. Nah, that's all well and good, and that's our little Syria talk and our striker talk <laughs> over. And then yeah, so our Instagram has got my new scouting reports up as well. I did what four on the last week, which was good for the Champions League and Europa League. Milinkovic, Savic, Asensio, uh, Modiba, Sagnan, and Jacob Ramsey, uh, Aston Villa against Leeds. So I thought that was quite fun to see and to watch football again in, in a scout's point of view. But realistically, it's just one of those things that I just like doing personally. So if anyone's actually interested in looking at my scouting reports, they're on, my Insta- they're on our Instagram account, Friday Night Counterattack. And that's my little plug there. Uh, but yeah, Rahil, do you want to take us through the weekend's games coming up? Actually, we've got yeah, midweek but, games as well, haven't we? But then again, by the time this gets released, we'll be Friday. Game one, this is, yeah, this is going to get Friday, so we'll go on the weekends. Sweet, um, go for it. We'll just go around one by one. I'll ask you all. I'll just throw you a fix, James. Give me your predictions straight away. Brilliant. Um, we've got Burnley, Arsenal. Um, Burnley at home, Turf Moor. Arsenal, obviously, in a bit of form now as well. So I'll go with the uh, Ari first. What do you reckon, Burnley, Arsenal? 2-0, Arsenal. Cool. you got Sheffield, United, Southampton. Sheffield United obviously desperate for points. Um, probably looking like they are going to get relegated now. I think it's just too much of an uphill task. Sheffield United do are playing home though. So Sal, what do you reckon? Uh, probably go one all. Fair enough. And then uh, you got Brighton, Leicester. I'll go with uh, you, Hamza. Uh, Leicester without Madison as well. So but then again, Brighton. I think they're missing. I just... They're missing quite a, quite a few players. Leicester, aren't they? Yeah, I think they... seven injuries. Seven injuries, but no one was talking about it, as James Madison said. And then he got injured himself as well, which is quite funny. Absolute baller, by the way. He Absolute should be in the baller. Euro squad. It is a very fun yeah. player to watch. Really good transitional midfielder as well, James Madison. I'm not going to bring the stats out. Just watch him for yourself. The best English number 10 right there. Was it Brighton at home, was it? Uh, yeah, Brighton at home. Brighton at home. I'd say I'd say probably 1-0 Leicester, personally. Brighton can't score to, to save their life at the moment. Missing two penalties. That free kick, uh, that VAR thing with the free kick, that was awful if any of you saw that. If any of our mm. listeners saw that, that was ridiculous. But yeah, 1-0 Leicester. Cool. I'm going to miss you out for a second, Seth, because we've got one fixture left on Saturday and there's only one man to ask about this and it's the Midlands Derby's Aston Villa versus Wolves. So what do you reckon, Sally? Are your boys going to do it or what? Wolves yeah, all day, man. I'll just put just, two things in. on their level. All right. Uh, that's weird for a West Brom fan hyping up Wolves, but um, <laughs> we uh, yeah. So firstly, we beat we beat Arif's uncle's team on the weekend, which uh, you know yeah, put the bus and just about. So we didn't park the bus, but then yeah, the other one is we're going to beat bus, man. We're bus gonna and beat, the coach. We're going to beat Sheffield United midweek two 0 and we're going to beat Wolves as well one 0 and then we'll go Sunday. We'll come to you, Arif. West Brom Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's going to be uh, 2-0 Newcastle actually no I think it's going to be 3-0 Newcastle I can see it being uh, oh, he's I think, clever this guy he, um, he doesn't bet for his team do you know what I mean like he doesn't want to jinx it clever so, yeah I think it's going to be 3-0 Newcastle you got Liverpool Fulham Fulham on a bit of a decent run um, but obviously Liverpool getting three points against uh, Sheffield as well they have got quite a few problems. Obviously, Jordan Henderson joins the injury list. So, uh, Saf, what do you reckon? Liverpool, Fulham. Liverpool playing at Anfield. Liverpool, Fulham. Uh, 3-1, Liverpool. Manchester Derby. Manchester City pretty much ran away with the title, lads. Uh, United, United not really been uh, very good in the top, in the big games, I must say. Um, obviously, you guys know how much I've been ranting about it. If we week. don't go and, for and it this chat. game, 
If we don't go but, through uh, this game, oh my days! I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask Hamza. Hamza, what do you reckon? See you United at the end. Go yourself. Go yourself. No, we'll, we'll go for this one anyway, which is fine. But for me, I think it's going to be... I think it could easily just be like a 2-1 Man City, given the way that we're playing and given the way Man City are playing. I don't want it to be. And I really want to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer go for it in the, in the way that we have uh, last season, <laughs> if you remember, against Man City at the Etihad. We won 2-1 or... Uh, yeah, 2-1 and then 2-0 at Old Trafford as well. But realistically, can, can we see that happening? Can we see a change in fortune against big teams this season? No. Probably not, No. But my my optimism is, is is low at the moment for Man United, and if you have to rely on like a penalty or or a moment or a free kick or something like that or a corner, then that's well, absolutely should, fine. Should, should have had a penalty, Stonewall penalty against Chelsea. So we're not getting those at the moment. So we're not going to even get that. We're not okay, never mind. That. Never mind. Never mind. Because we were sitting and we probably deserve to draw anyway. But mm-hmm. um, my opinion of this game, I'll be honest with you, I, I can't see us doing. I can't even see us scoring a goal. I think we're set up so poorly in the big games. Um, it frustrates me because we've had about six, seven big games this season. We've scored one pathetic goal at home in a defeat to Spurs. One pathetic goal to Spurs at home. And we've failed to score against any other team after the top six. And it, it, it don't make sense. I look at Arsenal. Everyone complains. how Everyone's been moaning and cussing Arsenal how bad they've been all season. Manchester United failed to score against Arsenal. They failed to score against Rob Holding for two games. And it we can see that no penalty sense. as well against uh, it, Arsenal it, it, Old Trafford it, as well. It, it, yeah, it, it just don't make no sense. And I think, I'm going to say it again, and it probably sounds like a broken record, but if Edinson Cavani doesn't play against Manchester City, we're not going to cause them problems. Because you've, you've got arguably the best centre-back partnership in the Premier League this season. And probably trio, I would say, because whenever they, they, they literally miss one of them out, but whichever two are playing out of the three, they always put in good forms. you got Diaz, obviously you got Stones and you got Laporte. And, and you can say that's one of the best strike partnerships yeah, they've got at the yeah, moment as well. Yeah, Scoring goals yeah. for fun, Diaz and Stones. Fantasy exactly. football was mad at 100%, the moment. 100%. And I just think if you're going to put someone like Anthony Martial or even probably Mason Greenwood with that inexperience, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything to harm uh, Manchester City. I think the only way we probably score is through a mistake or obviously Bruno Fernandes is coming through with something special. I think if Cavani scores, we probably do have a chance just purely because of his experience and his off-the-ball movement. Regardless of how good the centre back is, he's capable of catching them out with that off the ball movement. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say the same as what I said against uh, for the Chelsea prediction. If Edison Cavani doesn't play, we don't we, we don't cause any problems at Manchester City will beat us. And that's I probably mean, you, them you just could, making a statement of charges get, there as well. Could probably get a dodgy penalty. That was expected, yeah. Salim. I'm gonna no, like, just, it just is, remind us, you know, just remind us, remind us to tell Bruno if we do get a dodgy penalty, not to score it. Because it's the most sportsmanship thing to do. No, I'm I'm just thinking about you know like sort of likely ways to score in it. That was all. Just that's it. to be fair, we did score a penalty against them last season at the Etihad. Uh, Rashford scored, and then Marshall scored the winner, I think. Um, but yeah, was that all of the predictions for the weekend, Rahil? Um, we got Spurs Palace as well. Uh, we'll go Salim on London this one. Spurs Palace. Spurs playing that one. Palace off form, Lund- Spurs on form, Gareth Bale back in the mix, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think Spurs 3 2. High scoring game. Think, yeah, high scoring game, I think. I just think like Ben Teke's got a goal in him at the moment and uh, Bale's got a couple in him. Cool. We've got, yeah. we got two very good games as well this time next week on the Monday. We'll open it up to everyone. You got Chelsea Everton, Chelsea playing at the bridge. You got West Ham Leeds, West Ham playing at home. Um, I'll give mine quickly first. I think Chelsea will draw with Everton. 
and I think West Ham will beat Leeds. I think West Ham. West Ham are just more balanced. West Ham are just more balanced. Yeah, they've got more quality. Got I more have quality. to. I have to say, I know we've talked about West Ham a lot previously with David Moyes and Lingard, but I have to say, West Ham were really good against Man City. They're one of the yeah, best. Yeah, they were. They were very good. They made a game out of it, and to score, they like I said, it's not easy against that centre back. I, I think West Ham should have won. I think West yeah, they've Ham. Got had a, they've got a top class, top class player from a top class, top right there. Top class team in Lingard. So I thought I thought for the moment you're gonna say they got top class manager. Yeah, I, I was leaning yeah. towards no, that no, as well. That's, no, that's, no, no, that's, no. that's a conversation for another day. Jesse Lingard, we obviously know he's got he's got bags of ability and he was incredible that game as well. When he picks that ball up in that hole, problem for anyone. Just a shame. Yeah, but I think with, West, uh, with West Ham, with West Ham, I think you just look from top to bottom though. Like the defence, their midfield, their attack, I think it's pretty much balanced. And I think that's what David Moyes has been working towards um, since since he's taken back over of West Ham. And I think it's really worked out for them. Um, I think with Leeds, they just, let's just get everyone on the attack. Let's see if we can, we're going to get this many chances. Let's see if we can convert any of them. But I think uh, David Moyes and West Ham will be ready for that. I think it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a very calculated game. And I, I think West Ham will win. And I think it will be comfortable as well. I just can't see Leeds uh, causing them many problems with how good their defence has been this season. And I reckon West Ham will go back to their normal team as well, like Bowen and Ben Rahm on the wings, or for now on the wings, and Lingard behind Antonio. That's yeah. where they work best, and that's where Lingard's kind of bringing the team forward. And seeing uh, Lingard play in this form at the moment is quite, is really bright to see, actually. And again, it's really yeah. rewarding as a Man United fan to see what is going on at the moment. Sorry, Salah, go for it. Yeah, no, I'm just going to add that... Um... The whole like when you're just gonna say like Arif was gonna say top class manager, but he wouldn't say it because he's not Spanish. Well, not he doesn't speak Spanish. And he doesn't sit on a bucket, so he doesn't qualify in his quota. All oh, right, man. All right, you have it, bro. Have it. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> gonna give you all one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish it off on one question, something different. If you could all be at one game this weekend, which one would it be? And you can't pick your own team that you support. Oh, good question. I bet yeah, Leeds West Ham. Probably gonna say. I bet you two would probably say United game then. Arif and Raheel. Yeah, well, if, if, it, if it was my if it was my own team, it'd be obviously United versus Man City. But we're not allowed to pick our own team. Um, yeah, I know that's what I just is, said. This is this is, this, is, this is South trying to this is South be funny as usual. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'd probably pick the Manchester derby then if it was up to me. You're able uh, to yeah, say that. For, for, for me, for me, it's, uh, Leeds and Amherst. I'd I'd say Spurs Palace personally. I think that would be quite fun to see. And if Spurs do, if Spurs carry on with their form at the moment, I'd say they, they were entertaining against Burnley. And Burnley, you know how they sit back normally. They couldn't handle Bale, Son, Lucas and Kane all flying at them on the weekend, especially in that first half, which just ran riot. So I'd say Spurs, Crystal Palace. I think that would be a good game to go and watch. Well, I'm probably going to say Leeds, West Ham as well. I think it'd be a good game to watch from a neutral point of view. Chelsea and Everton wouldn't be bad as well. I think mm. watching them two teams have probably mm. been a bit incons- inconsistent as of late as well. Um, two teams with enough firepower and attack as well. Yeah, I think that that's going to be a very good game to watch. But then on the flip side, that could also be a very boring game and it could finish nil-nil. Yeah, you know, you know, teams are capable of. Uh, when the, when... I found sorry, I found Tuchel very boring for Chelsea so far. He's still trying to get his team right. That's why I found him very boring with Chelsea. They get the results, but they're quite boring still. I think sorry, with Tuchel, you look at him. I think he's walked into a team where a lot of the players he wouldn't have signed. And I don't think play the kind of style he wants. I think that's what he's slowly realising. Mm. Um, but I think it's just one of them ones you have to give him time, obviously, whether, whether Chelsea do or not. That's obviously the, the, that's up to them and that's their problem. Um, obviously, South thinks they're going to win the title next season. That's um, why it's left so, a yeah. call. We'll, 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 we'll have to wait and see. 
Leeds event boy because he was Leeds um, you know when another team is in pocket oh, no. bus, Leeds always entertaining to watch so I think um, West Ham are actually going to go for it instead of parking the bus so it should be a good entertaining game because that was surprising from West Ham as well they played five at the back against Man City but they didn't actually park if you know what I mean they had the five at the back like Johnson on the left wing yeah they, were, they, were, they went for it better than, than, than United have this season mm. against Man City so I rate that quick one quick one quick one I know I keep rambling on I keep asking questions and shit yeah I'm nah, happy question this one I'm have to mention this one because uh, we've just we've almost missed a massive game uh, that's going to take place this weekend and that's uh, Bayern Munich versus Borussia Dortmund uh, Ooh, Bayern Munich damn. playing Bayern, Bayern Munich playing at home what uh, day is that? half five kickoff Saturday half five kickoff Saturday it's going to be a good game uh, I watched the Bayern yeah. Munich this weekend against uh, that yellow team they were playing whilst I, well, I was watching it in the background but again Chupa, Mont- Chupa Moteng started and they yeah won, I think like, he scored didn't he he opened yeah. scoring for them and Gnabry scored too I think I've seen a bit of that yeah but what do you reckon guys quick predictions Bayern Munich playing home that's really. I reckon Bayern Munich will win, but it'll be an entertaining game because Jaden Sancho has what been the youngest player to get uh, fifty assists in Bundesliga history, and it yeah. goes to show what a talent he is and how well he's done going up. The yeah, Man United need to sign him. We need to sign him. We we no, need we him. No, no, we do. We need a right. I do. I do. What have you seen from Jaden Sancho to say Manchester United need him? A winger let's that be honest, can provide no, Let's be honest. Let's be honest. All right, you're saying the quality he'll provide linking up with our strikers and whatever. But when has when he has played for England with Marcus Rashford, has he done anything special? Or has yeah, Marcus not really Rashford played any big, big yeah, games? I think, I think, I think we'll, we'll get to see in the Euros what yeah, but Harry, the full, the full small games. There's small games in friendlies where you can't try to fight. And where there's not that much pressure on you. So if you can't play together well in a position, I'm not just judging him based on that, but I just think it's too much of a risk to put 120 million pounds on a player like that. Especially one that has shown at the start of double the first half of this season how inconsistent he can be. Which is obviously normal for a youngster, but do you do you really want to put 120 million on a player like that? In my opinion, I don't think we should go for him. But um, I, I, I think I think money's not that much of an issue. Obviously, Manchester United. No, it is. No, it, it is. It is. This I, is one I, thing, Dad. Let me interrupt. This is one thing Manchester United fans really get very wrong. Money is a massive issue in Manchester United, you know, and I don't think we realize how much of an issue it is. Explain to me. When how it, you when think it, it's not an issue. You're, you're, okay, okay, it is, it is an issue, but it's not like if we spend 120 million. And he did, and he went, you know, wrong. I think we can still recuperate a good amount of it. I don't think it's going to affect us as much as we do that. Because we spent we spent eighty million pound in the fridge, and we're just having to claim now. And <laughs> I, 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 our managers, our managers, you've got like he's been a terrible, terrible no, purchase. But, no, but our manager yeah. has come. To, he has. How is not he not? Eighty million pounds. Not at all. Not at all. Yes, not he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Because you look at Diaz. You look at you look at Diaz for City. You look at centre back, that's what a centre back is supposed to come in and do. Ruben Diaz was not experienced in the yeah, but he, Harry look, Maguire look who's was, playing in front. Harry Maguire was, playing in front of Diaz and look at right, the way okay, they okay, the ball and the way they play. No, 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 no. It does not matter. The reason why. No, no. Okay, okay. Let's no, let's let's. It's a lot easier to be a centre back for Manchester no, City than it is for Man United. No, 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 we know how, that. Explain, explain to me how, please. Explain to me how the way Manchester City can win the ball back. They've got possession for most of the game, and we haven't got players that come in. The, the reason why the reason why our midfield is having to play so defensive, and the reason why we play two cent CDMs is because of how bad Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof mm-hmm. are. It's not a case of look what Maguire is going in front of him. We need to look at the rest of the team and look what what they've got behind them. 
the reason why Fred and McTominay have to play regularly and Matic has to play regularly and Pogba and Bruno miss out, well, not Bruno, but Pogba misses, used to miss out a few games, was purely because of how bad our centre backs are. And I still okay, maybe he's not an eight, eight million pound defender. He's maybe okay, he's not an eight million pound defender. I've never said once defender. he isn't, he's but not, he's, he's not, not as 80, bad as you make him. He's not, not as bad as you make defender. He's not 80 million pound defender. He's not ready to bring the Manchester United club captain. That's a fact. And, I agree and with that. But because what we're saying, you're making him actually a terrible defender. No, but the reason why he is Manchester United captain is because the price that's been spent on him mm. and basically the Glazers have turned around to soldiers. Yeah, it's politics. You're, you're stuck with him. They're saying you're stuck yeah, with him. You've, you've got to make it work. You've got no option. Now. Because let's be honest, if we put Harry Maguire on the market, who's going to come in for him and even spend 50, 60 million? No one. No one is, let's be honest. 15. Probably West Ham would give about 15 or something. He's not no, as bad as you make Honestly, he's not as bad as you make him. He is. He is. He's not as good as me as a concert. He's not as good as me. Are you? You stay out of this. I'm being honest. You just don't get involved. I think concert. Ask Raheel. Ask Raheel. Concert means that. The one thing. Listen. The one thing he was good for was headering from out of his box. And even lately, he's looked shaky at that. Don't get me wrong. He has some games where he looks like an absolute superstar. But if you want to look like a superstar, only some of your games, go play for a low-level team. Go play no, the thing is, he can, only play, he can only play in a three at the back. He can only play in a three at the back, that's it. Or, yeah, he can either play in a three hey, at the back, or he, or he can play in a back four that gets pressed the whole game. And all he has to do is when the ball comes, he has to head it out. Okay, that's the original the question was... When a, when, a striker, when a striker, let me finish, when a striker comes up against Harry Maguire and they've got good off-the-ball movement, you look at Olivier Giroud on the weekend, how he got in between Maguire and Lindelof. If he, if, he, if he was on his day where he normally finishes, Chelsea probably would have won the game. Because uh, number one, uh, Werner got in a lot. Number two, Giroud had his chance as well. We could have conceded two, three easy goals. And that, that's where we're getting punished in other games. Sheffield United, West Brom, that's all I'm going to say. Sheffield United and West Bromwich Albion, the two teams who are probably towards the bottom of the table, especially Sheffield United, they came to Old Trafford and White. You look at both the Sheffield United goals in that game, they're both with defensive errors. Okay, you can complain Maguire got fouled, but look how big the guy is. He shouldn't be getting fouled by someone smaller than him. If you're a centre-back and you're world-class, you need to basically make yourself... You need to show your presence. And Harry Maguire isn't that player. And it frustrates me whenever I speak to you about Harry Maguire because you think he's not that bad and he has I'll some good again, games. Not, if uh, you want to be I a think, great... I think he needs a better partner. I think he definitely needs a lot better no, partner than, I, I, than I what he's been given. I don't, um, I don't I think, agree with that. I think he needs someone a lot quicker. All right. You know, all right. I don't on agree with that right because I think, I think Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof are exactly the same. And uh, tell me what, tell me mm, what Lindelof has got that. Oh, tell me what, tell me, tell me what Harry Maguire has got that Victor Lindelof has. Bear in mind, Victor Lindelof is faster than him. So tell me how Maguire is better than him. I, I, I don't think Harry Maguire has got more presence at centre back than Victor Lindelof. And I think that's. Okay, so Harry Maguire has got more presence. Then Victor Lindelof, but with Harry Maguire in our defense, we've conceded more goals. So what presence? That's not, that's not what, always just what, down. Exactly, that's not always just exactly down the centre backs. Again, you're being unfair. Okay, Again, you're being unfair. Who's it, who's it down to? If it's not down to the centre backs, I think I think as a team we haven't defended well. We haven't defended well, especially across set pieces. As a team, we haven't. You're not. We have not, not. You're not explaining your point very well. And it's not even set pieces. It is when the ball comes out to a wide man and the ball gets played in. Harry Maguire and Lindelof don't know whether they're coming or whether they're going. They don't know whether to when to drop together and they don't know when to come out together. One's always caught napping and, and the team always scores. The prime example for that was against Sevilla last season in the Europa League when he just got whipped across and everyone just looked at it until it was at the back post and then uh, that Sevilla exactly. person. Exactly. I forgot his name. Sorry. And how, how many times what I'm trying to say is 
he's not as bad as you make out. Okay, I agree. He's not an eighty million pound defender. I agree. He probably shouldn't be club captain. If we had a better partnership next to um, Maguire, I think we'd be a lot more solid. Would you start to Zabi or buy you next to Marif? No, I wouldn't. I think if you take Harry Maguire out of that team and you play Victor Lindelof and Eric Boy, I guarantee you we will score. We will concede less goals for the rest, rest of the remaining of the season compared to the first half of the season. I can guarantee you that. But you have to remember, Rahil, but that was when Bailly, that was that was Mourinho's partnership when he got sacked. Remember, Bay and Lindelof. Yeah, he did what three against Brighton was, as well. It was also Mourinho's partnership when we, when we, when we were at the top of our game. We finished second in the league and we won a Europa League. It wasn't. It was, it was Bailly and Smalling or Smalling and Lindelof. Smalling was there as our ever-present centre-back that season. No, but obviously this one's saying, but the, re- the reason why Bailly has never ever had that consistent run is because of his injuries. But for big games yeah, in that season, Lindelof and Boy. But that's the thing with Boy, and that's the only reason why Lindelof and Maguire are stuck with each other. But Gary never made a very good point. He said, Victor Lindelof cannot play well with Harry Maguire next to him, and Maguire can't do the same with Victor Lindelof because they just don't go together. It's, it's just one of them things. But then one's a 30 million pound player, and one's an 80 million pound player, and he's a captain and he's English and he has Premier League experience. And I think that's where you have to shift the blame to. Anyone can play their blame game, but it's, it's evident if you're going to spend that much money on a centre back, and this guy's the captain of your club. He has to take responsibility. It's like now when Man United lose a game, and let's say the team selection wasn't well, we're all going to blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, yes or no? But if the team selection is right and the defensive mistakes, and your captain's in the centre of that, and he's your most expensive defender, who's the blame going to go on to? Harry Maguire, simple. Because when you're when you're defending a set piece, for example, the Sheffield United one, the Everton one, if your centre back, your your centre back and your captain. He's in the middle here. He should be commanding everyone where to go, what to do. He's telling everyone to get in the line, and he's telling everyone everyone when to go, yes or no. And he's shown that he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't got that presence with. I don't think with his own players, never mind the opposition. I don't think there's players in the team that will see this guy as a good captain because when you see when you see players like Pogba and Bruno and Rashford who have absolutely worked their socks off this season and scored the most goals in the Premier League, and then what? You're, you're not in a title race because your centre backs are not good enough. And who's a centre back? Your club captain. Why would you take him seriously? Because I wouldn't. If I'm in, if I'm Bruno, or I'm Rashford. I'm not going to take that guy seriously. But yeah, that's me doing rank over. And but yeah, but there is no question. Just, was would you spend 120 million pounds on Sancho? Of course, I would. And and end of conversation. But yeah, uh, the original question was what was the Bayern versus Borussia yeah, Dortmund sorry, prediction? Sorry, sorry, sorry. But you spent about 50 pounds in that England top. So I'm not going to take your. I'm not going to take your decisions. I spent 30, 30 I'm not going to take your decisions on what you buy. And, and, and it's a beautiful retro England top, so I might say myself. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Hamza, I interrupted, but can you continue, please? We don't want to hear any more about Arif. No, no, you, you were the one that said... <laughs> you, you were the one that was like, uh, Bruce Dortmund versus Bayern Munich, and we got to Harry Maguire somehow, but yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Are we talking yeah, about yeah. Sancho? We were talking about Sancho, that was the one, the 120 million. Uh, but yeah, uh, going back, I said 3-2 Bayern Munich. I think it would be an entertaining game. Um Will be enjoyable to watch for me personally. But yeah, free to Bayern Munich. Should I put a big prediction out there? I'm going to say 5-1 to Bayern Munich. Farmers I'm saying 3-2. The reason being is Leipzig are on their tails. They're two points off them and they're both for the same amount of games. Bayern know they can't really stick on. I think Bayern are a team with the pressure's on. They'll come out. And I think against Dortmund, we've seen it before, is when they're on it, they'll actually destroy them. And Dortmund are not in the best of form. So yeah, I'm going 5-1 Bayern Munich. Call me crazy, but that's what it is. Yeah, you got a few screw losers still. Uh, three one Bayern. 
Uh, but yeah, that, that was a fun little conversation and listening to Raheel's rant about Harry Maguire, somehow we got there from Dortmund versus Bayern Munich predictions. But no, we'll put this, we'll put our predictions on social media for, uh, before the weekend, so that'll be fun for everyone to kind of look back on going forward as well. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you very See much. See you guys, in a bit. Take care. Thank you. Take care, Take everyone. Care. Bye. Peace.